Welcome to the Respectful Divorce Podcast. If you're considering a divorce, it is important to know that you have options for how you divorce. On the Respectful Divorce Podcast, we explore those options and provide advice from divorce professionals. We also talk with divorce clients about what went right and what went wrong in their divorce. On today's edition of the Respectful Divorce Podcast, we're talking with Ben Stitch, a Massachusetts divorce coach and mediator. Our host is Camille Milner, a collaborative divorce attorney in Denton, Texas. Hello, and thanks for joining us on the Respectful Divorce Podcast. I'm Camille Milner. I'm a Texas collaborative divorce attorney, and this podcast focuses on options for divorce other than the traditional adversarial litigated divorce. Today, I'm talking with Ben Stitch. Ben is a collaborative divorce coach in Massachusetts and also focuses much of his practice on family mediation. Ben, thanks for joining us today on the Respectful Divorce Podcast. Thanks for having me. Tell us a little bit about what you do and who you are, where you grew up, and just a little bit more about you. All right. I appreciate that. Uh, So I'm here in Massachusetts. born and bred, uh, a zealot Boston sports fan, uh, like most of the country doesn't appreciate us. Uh, and I, my practice is uh, focused on divorce and family mediation and also uh, collaborative coaching uh, in the divorce context. So I'd say the bread and butter of my work is divorce where I'm you know, helping folks facilitate, I'm helping to facilitate their negotiation and the development of a parenting plan if their parents, the division of their assets and liabilities, ensuring that they're working towards meeting the standards that is required in the probate and family court here in Massachusetts um, or in other New England states. I have also mediated divorces. Um, and I think my uh, what, what people think of me most for is uh, mediating divorces with parents. Um, I have, I'm a non-attorney. Um, so I have a social work background before I pivoted to mediation about 12 years ago, uh, with a particular interest in working with families and kids with special needs. Uh, and so I have, uh, found it really gratifying to help parents craft parenting plans that really best meet the needs of their kids. Um, and hopefully leads to a reduction in conflict between the parents so that the kids can have a a more enjoyable childhood and better outcomes as they grow into adults. Um, uh, and I'm also involved in a high conflict parent education program here in Massachusetts. It was, uh, it's the only one of its kind. It's a court mandated program that was developed by a retired judge uh, and others. Uh, and so I've also very comfortable working with folks who are in a higher conflict dynamic. I think there's a big uh, misconception that mediation is only for the most cooperative folks. Uh, and really, my belief is that if, as long as people are voluntarily engaging in the process um, and have kind of proverbial skin in the game, that mediation can be effective regardless of the degree of conflict. And then I know this is a long-winded answer. The other half of my practice, other than collaborative coaching, is non-divorce family mediation. So mediation between adult siblings, adult parents and their kids, um, parents and their older teenage children, if if uh, therapy is not a viable option for them, uh, marital issues. You know, I, you and I were just talking earlier about sometimes having a mediation that is uh, really a, a mediation to discern whether or not people want to stay married or get divorced um, uh, and, you know, things like that. When you hear the term respectful divorce, what does that mean to you? 
I really appreciate that term and that you uh, guys emphasize that so strongly. Um, boy, I could talk about that for a long time, but a respectful divorce, I think, involves um, working hard to understand both sides of the table and for each spouse to really take into account the concerns, goals, interests of the other person to really listen carefully to each other and work very hard to craft a plan that both people can feel as good about as possible, understanding that, you know, in divorce, there's limited time um, to be with your children and there's finite resources that has to be divided in some way or fashion. And that those are hard decisions to be made. Uh, but, uh, you know, particularly for parents, I think the divorce negotiation process is the opportunity to reshape their paradigm and to redefine their relationship from a romantic one to a co-parenting one and do it almost with training wheels and the mediation process and the mediator uh, or the collaborative coach in a collaborative process um, kind of functions as those training wheels and uh, helping them recognize that they are going to be in a partnership forever um, and the business is raising their children uh, and hopefully they'll do it in such a way that they'll be grandparents together and can uh, share in the delights of their children's futures and, and, and reduce the need for their kids to feel tension and conflict uh, and not to have to um, be stressed on their wedding day. Um, and, you know, struggling with who to uh, invite to walk me down the aisle, so to speak. And one of your blogs quotes a, a, a plaque or a saying that's on the wall of a judge there in your jurisdiction um, that I think goes deeper into what you were just saying. Can you tell us about that? I think the quote was, uh, do you hate your ex more than you love your kids? I love that quote. And I don't even remember where I first heard it. Uh, the idea there is that, you know, in divorce situation, there's so such hot feelings, right? You know, there are a lot of really important reasons that lead people to divorce. Um, and, you know, while it's not always a high conflict dynamic, it can be, right? And uh, clearly people were having difficulty resolving whatever their differences were th through the, the course of their marriage. Um, and there's a risk that that conflict, those resentments interfere with functioning as parents in a way that is going to best serve their kids. And so that quote really is about how, what's more important, you know, uh, expressing your vitriol for your former spouse <laughs> or putting that aside and um, making decisions that really are going to serve your kids best. And it, and it really speaks to the difference between litigation versus collaboration. And that leads to my next question, which is, could you give the audience an understanding of the difference in co collaborative versus litigation and specifically how collaborative looks in Massachusetts? Because in different states, it may have a little bit different personality. Yeah. So I explained in my consultations that there's a continuum of ways in which people can navigate divorce. Um, and I won't go through the whole spiel, but there's mediation where you uh, the, the spouses have control over the outcome. They're negotiating directly. They have third-party help. Um, they have control over the timing, the pacing, uh, and the decisions as long as they meet the legal standards. Uh, and 
and it's usually a little less expensive. The next step in the continuum is collaborative law, where you have more professionals involved. Um, and in Massachusetts, the way the collaborative process works uh, is that both parties have a collaboratively trained attorney. Um, their engagement with the attorney is such that uh, if the uh, collaborative process derailed, uh, the attorneys would have to withdraw from their case, and that the divorce negotiation happens in a team process. Uh, and there's a divorce coach, which is the, the role I play, and the divorce coach is uh, the process expert for the, for the collaborative um, divorce uh, process. And so as a divorce coach, I work with the parents or the spouses if there's no children. I also work with the attorneys, uh, and all negotiations occur as a team process. So the attorneys are not able to negotiate on their client's behalf outside of the team meeting. So all the team meetings involve both um, parties, both attorneys, a divorce coach, and if they're a complex financial matter, perhaps a financial neutral, who can also provide some guidance uh, as they work through some more complicated financial matters. And if your jurisdiction is like in others, sometimes clients have a first blush reaction, well, with all these different professionals, isn't it more expensive than if we just have lawyers? Can, yes. you, can you explain how what you as a divorce coach bring, which um, some of our lawyers call it almost pixie dust or magic, because your you're being in the room uh, ends up saving people money because they, some of the time are offline with you, but even in the room with all of us for the meetings, your magic, your neutrality brings a special gift. Can you explain that? Wow, I don't know if I can say that better than you just did, <laughs> Emil. Uh, you know, for one, it saves money. Separate from the divorce coach, you know, the attorneys are not preparing for the potential of trial or litigation. And there's so much cost that um, and, and money that is lost for, for folks going through divorce because Attorneys have to simultaneously work on settlement, but always be prepared for the possibility of a settlement not occurring. And in collaborative law, that latter half isn't part of the equation because the attorneys are only there for settlement. Uh, as for the divorce coach, you know, part of what I do and part of what good divorce coaches do here in Massachusetts is really understand the two spouses and what their needs are what their personalities are, what their communication dynamic is, where some of the triggers or hot buttons might be, and then provide information to the attorneys to help inform the way in which they can work most effectively when we're together based off of who those, uh, uh, the two spouses are. And in the, in the um, team meetings, as a divorce coach, part of what I do is establish the agenda for the team in, in concert with uh, the attorneys um, uh, we have a pre-brief, so the attorneys and I and the professional team, if there's a financial neutral, always has a game plan, uh, and there's always a debrief after each meeting uh, to reflect on how the process went, how the last meeting went, the degree to which both parties felt heard and understood, and then we were addressing uh, their goals. Um, and so um, it leads to a more efficient process and helps um, both parties to feel supported. Um, and I'll give you just a brief example of a recent case whereby both um, spouses, uh, it's a very long-term marriage, um, and uh, they uh, lost a child uh, at two. Um, 
And that was 15, 20 years ago. And because of my pre-work with both spouses, I was able to understand the, uh, the layers, the myriad layers involved with that and their individual perspectives and things that come up or that the other says that sometimes can be a hot button. Um, uh, and also that there were some language and cultural issues um, involved because one of them was not an American. Um, and I was able to share information with the attorneys about this, this context in the family system that they wouldn't otherwise have known and also understand where some of the challenges are from a cultural standpoint and a language standpoint that helped inform the attorneys about how to communicate more effectively, particularly for the attorney that was not representing the one that was from another country and had a different kind of cultural context that they were bringing to bear. Um, and so, you know, the hope is that it reduces miscommunication, misunderstanding, tripping over each other, uh, and just uh, a much higher level of sensitivity to the unique, you know, dynamics of this respective family. One of the things that we notice as lawyers is when one of us either has to call our client down for something that was inappropriate or calls the other side down, then if you call the other side down, that's okay with your client. But if you call your client down in front of the group, you've jumped ship. Yep. It seems that the neutrals are exactly that. And whatever they say, even if it was what the lawyers saw, if you all name the misbehavior or the inappropriate responses or the less than uh, most helpful responses from one client to another, it's received differently by the clients. Can you talk a little bit about that? I think the foundation of what you're describing rests in the relationship building that occurs between the, the clients and me as a divorce coach prior to the team process. Um, and hopefully <laughs> I'm doing a good job uh, they trust me and they understand that I am there to try to really help uh, guide them to a finish line that um, is mutually satisfactory. Um, and hopefully kind of using very human and emotionally tuned language um, to try to help people keep moving ahead in a way that is non-confrontational. And of course, there are other tools that can be brought to bear. I mean, th there are times when in a recent session where uh, one party was getting very amped up and as a result was repeating themselves quite a bit. Um, and so I just called a break and we were on Zoom because we're in this new era and uh, I used the breakout room feature um, and it allowed me to go speak to the one who was upset and help them work through it. Um, I also knew that the attorney um, would probably do a really nice job of lowering the temperature and providing some reassurance. And it also provided me an opportunity to go to the other spouse and validate how unbelievably frustrating I imagine that last 10 minutes was for them. <laughs> um, and, uh, and did some really brief work about how they wanted to present themselves when they came back. And we came back, um, the attorneys helped and they were able to kind of move forward and get off of that kind of stuck moment that they were having. And it's an entirely different paradigm than when you go into court and the rules of the game are slinging as much bad things about each other as you can to win the game. 
Yeah, court is about being, you know, uh, some combination of being aggressive and defensive, uh, uh, which both uh, really interfere with the desire to be collaborative, right? And being collaborative is to the best extent possible, try to create us, you know, some people call it a win-win. I think win-win is a little hard in divorce to, you know, I think some people think that's a bit Pollyanna. Uh, but what I would, what I do describe with people is that you all have goals and interests and concerns that you want to address and fears that you want to mitigate against and um, you know, visions for what your futures, you want your futures to look like and hopes for your children. And if the conversation can be focused on those interests and finding ways to, to the best of your ability, address those interests in a way that you both feel good about, uh, then that's a really successful process. And one of the things I often say is if you look back five years from now and reflected that, wow, we did a really great job in our divorce process, what does that mean? Where will you be? And if you guys can identify and share those aspirations with each other, then perhaps are there ways you can reverse engineer and create a, a plan that helps get you both there. And then likewise for parents, particularly for parents of younger children where there's a lot of conflict between the parents, I'll ask a question akin to, you know, if your kids are 25 years old and they were to say to you, you know, mom, dad, my mom, dad, dad, you did a phenomenal job. We're really, really lucky that we had you as parents and that you handled your divorce well. Thank you. Why would they be saying that? What would you have done? And are it's there things that you need to shift right now to make that happen? That's beautiful. I really love that. One of the other things that you talk about on your website is going to the balcony or a balcony view. And I think that's kind of what you just described for us. Would you like to further explain that as we're finishing up our, our visit today? Well, first of all, I appreciate how deeply you've explored my website. <laughs> uh, yeah, so by the balcony view, I, it's, you're right, it's connected and it's all really related to perspective taking. Are there ways to step back and think bigger picture? You know, when people engage in divorce, it's, it, you know, it, it's really clear that, and the research talks about this, and this is people's experience that second to losing a loved one, it, it can be the most stressful experience someone ever goes through in their life. And there are so many layers to the divorce onion, right? There's, you know, what does this mean for me and my identity? What are the financial security issues? Am I going to be okay? Are my kids going to be okay? you know, am I going to lose friends? What does this mean for my family? This, it goes on and on and on. Um, and, uh, and usually people are so uh, um, concerned about the immediate future, right? How are we going to separate? Where am I going to live? What school are the kids going to go to next year? Um, uh, that it's hard to see the big picture and step back and think about we're not just negotiating how to move forward in the immediate but we're also crafting a plan that's going to hopefully serve us well for the rest of our lives um, and so taking the balcony view is able to step back really think about higher level goals identifying interests and kind of seeing if there's ways that there can be alignment um, and trying to get uh, you know getting stuck in the rabbit hole of granularity or rehashing the past um, and instead of really kind of focusing on how to move forward. It sounds like what you're saying is that a respectful divorce is a healthier divorce if that term can be used. 
Absolutely. And I think it can be. There are plenty of folks who go through divorce and, you know, maybe they're not friends, but they're certainly not enemies. Plenty of people go through divorce and are friendly post-divorce. There's certainly parents who put their conflict aside with each other and co-parent very effectively. They don't have to like one another, just like, uh, you know, someone doesn't have to like their boss or doesn't have to like their biggest client or doesn't have to like their colleague who they're reliant on to be successful with the project, but they treat them with, with respect, right? They say hello and goodbye and please and thank you. And they don't shoot off emails and texts, you know, letting that, you know, giving them a piece of their mind and letting them know how they really think about them. Uh, they put that all aside and keep that private uh, in the spirit of being successful at work. And that, that, that's the same framework that um, I see parents who do a good job with their divorce or separation um, are able to do, that they're in the business of raising their kids and they don't have to like each other. Um, but boy, their kids really need them to um, work together if they're going to have you know, successful childhoods. Does it seem that especially with the polarization of, of our country and our citizens today, yeah. that especially in divorce, a lot of families, a lot of married couples have a hunger for an alternative such as this? Absolutely. Um, I mean, honestly, sometimes it's motivated financially, right? People want to, you know, not spend their, all their savings on their kids' college um, you know, uh, future tuition on a divorce process. But more importantly, you know, there's so much toxicity in our society, as you're saying. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a way to eliminate that toxic, toxic dynamic in their day-to-day -day lives and their most, you know, personal relationships. Um, that, that is, uh, can be so uh, healthy. And, you know, if you go, if you result, um, rely on the courts for your divorce process. You don't have a lot of control there. You, you lose agency, right? You lose self-determination. Um, and in collaborative divorce and also in mediation, the parties have control. They get to make the decisions and they get to make decisions that make sense for who they are and what their family is all about. Uh, and that can be so empowering. Um, and, you know, they might have political divides. And certainly I have mediated divorces where people are in polar opposites politically, for example. Um, uh, and yet, if we're able to uncover um, what's important to them for their futures, it usually has nothing to do with those type of divisions, right? Because we're all humans. We're all people. We all have similar hopes and desires and, you know, uh, aim for security and for peace in our lives and to reduce acrimony and to, you know, feel secure about futures. And our biggest challenge is to let the public know these alternative to yes. court options are out there. So thank you. Thank you, Ben, for helping us today educate the public about those options that are available to have a more respectful divorce if the family has to go through that or a couple have to go through that. Well, this was really fun and uh, I thank you. I mean, you and, and Tim uh, have taken the initiative to have this podcast and to you know be champions for collaboration in the divorce process. And um, you know, it was a privilege to be here with you today. 
Thank you. If, if someone wants to learn more about you, can you tell us what your website is? Absolutely. Uh, it's just my name, www.benstitch.com, which is B-E-N-S-T-I-C-H.com. If you misspell it like everyone does and put a second T in it, it will redirect. Um, but it's uh, Stitch. Uh, I often say it's Stitch, not Stitch. So meaning it's S-T-I-C-H, not S-T-I-T-C-H. Um, and you can contact me directly through the website. Um, uh, and my phone number is there as well. And if and people don't want need my services, there's a lot of articles there that might be useful, um, particularly related to conflict resolution and increasing effective communication. I was going to add to that, okay. that I thoroughly enjoyed reading as many of your blogs as I could get through in the time I had allocated. Um, I look forward to reading the others and even more thoroughly and talking you more, with you more about these subjects at another time. Um, and let me just tell everyone that they will be able to find your contact information in the show notes. As I said, I am Camille Milner. Be sure to join us next time for another edition of the Respectful Divorce Podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Respectful Divorce Podcast. If you're a divorce professional and would like to be a guest on this podcast, contact Tim Crouch at 940-383-1990. A respectful divorce is possible, and there are better ways to untie the knot.